You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Bagel. Thank you so much for joining me. We are here live in the Doolittle Studios getting set up. We are going to talk about the Chinese balloon that is floating somewhere over, I think, Virginia or South Carolina right now. And then we're going to talk about ChatGPT. Is it going to destroy education? Will it destroy democracy? Will it destroy everything else? Are we headed for a Terminator future? Well, the news is really concerned, so we're going to ask if you should be concerned. So uh, we've got our panel of nerds here that know technology, and they're going to uh, give you an answer. So for that, stay tuned. We will be right back after this break. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Warning. This show is for adults. Produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Welcome back to We Are Libertarians here on the Chris Spangle Show. Thank you so much for joining me. We are so glad that you are back here with us today. And uh, we are in the Doolittle Studios, and we've got uh, all, a, a cast of characters joining us. Uh, first and foremost is Harry Price. Harry, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, running like start today uh, that was my fault that's just who i am as a person i apologize please take this as a blanket apology even though i i i'm gonna be 15 minutes early i said i'd be here 15 minutes early i was still 15 minutes late so got two phones group chat i said to the group uh, I was oh, always supposed to be here at, at 55. On, on Messenger, so he, right. of course he didn't, <laughs> he didn't it notice it. It wasn't the Slack okay, okay. or Mastodon right. sub-channel or, that voice, or anything. Semaphore. The 8,700 different ways that I have to text with Harry because he won't use Facebook Messenger. Does anybody else have a friend like that? Well, uh, uh, email me on Proton. I had uh, somebody emailed me and said, I want to use you to edit video and produce podcasts for me. Or uh, it was actually the lady's son, and he does a Bitcoin podcast. It looked really good, really well done. 
She said, oh, he doesn't use email. You're going to have to DM him on Signal. And uh, I just didn't do it because I just can tell it's just not It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. I'm not going to do it. If you can't email me, it's sorry. It's just how it is. You email's, nerds take it too far. That's what I'm saying, Harry. Email's fine. Email's the backbone of the internet. It's a nice, nice, amazing protocol. The I don't know why this person doesn't use email. Um, that seems weird. I would I'd rather use email than Signal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a you know proven proven encryption. Proven. Yeah. You know, well, not you know, emails are sent non encrypted, unencrypted, open wire. You can use Wireshark and just read emails unless you encrypt them. So, so with an open relay, you can pretend to be whoever you want to be. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, and then also here, that's the voice you hear is Reinhold. Say hello, Reinhold. Hello, good morning, and uh, glad everybody could be here when we're actually really live. Yes, it's so good to be live on YouTube and Facebook and return on Saturday mornings. And Twitch. And Twitch, uh, the thing that I've only, I've opened for the first time in six months to watch AI Seinfeld, which we'll talk about. Uh, also, here's Vincent from Loki Wall. Vincent, how are you today? Doing pretty good. I'm I was invited because uh, I'm really interested in the AI stuff because that's just kind of who I am. So you'll see when I'm actually invested in a conversation how much more I talk about it. Well, we'll see if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And then also here is James Neese. Uh, for those of you maybe seeing James on the camera for the first time, don't be scared. Uh, he does not smell as bad as he looks. Uh, yes, I do because I didn't shower because you told me to get here early. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Some of us was here before Harry got here. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. 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 some yes. people showed up on time. I'm not. La- I, the last time I was here, I was told I was late in holding everything up. So I showed up extra early. You, you were know, 45 minutes yeah, late. You were almost an hour late. I was on I time. Was time. I was just. I was 15 minutes late to the early time that I set. So, therefore, I was actually on time. He changes times. I don't know. Apparently. Randomly. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> You know, um, the uh, that's why I don't like the. I prefer when show prep was paper. It was easier because you couldn't you could just change it live like you can with you know when it's a digital copy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it's Reinhold. You have a bit of a nose. Uh, I can hear your nose. So just you know, lean back or if that's the kind you can turn off, we'll see. But I've got the. Uh, we've got one processor that works. I don't know what happened sitting in my basement for a year and a half, but we've got five processors. Two work. I, of course, get one. And then we've got one on uh, uh, Vincent over there, uh, and it makes him sound very good. Harry doesn't need one. When I put it on Harry, it made him sound worse. You're the first person I've ever met where a processor made you sound bad. I don't know. It, well, I, I assume it's just my voice. It's so nice, even though I'm not on camera right now. Um, but my voice sounds amazing. All right, so I just <laughs> give it up to that. Amazing. Um, he only does analog. Like, you know, it's... Like, <laughs> Everything needs like tape recorded, like old timey radio. Get like the the reverb going. That's all I need. I probably would sound amazing oh, yeah. on an AM signal. You know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so uh, Reinhold, before the show, you pretended not to know what this Chinese spy balloon was. Do you really not know what what's going on? I've been heads down at work the last two days, so I haven't paid attention to the uh, crazy news cycle that. Whatever stupid thing comes up, it doesn't last for more than a day or two. But it sounds to me like somebody saw something in the sky and everybody's freaking out about it. So basically, the uh, why did I just get really loud? Um, sorry. So basically, there is a Chinese spy balloon that is hovering over. It was started in Montana, and I think it's somewhere 
south, more towards North Carolina at this point. So my question is, as somebody who doesn't know anything about this, how do we know it's a Chinese spice balloon and not just a regular old weather balloon? Okay, so here's the timeline of the balloon. Because my question was, how did it get here? Did it float over the Pacific to get here? Or did some Chinese spy release it in Montana? And the uh, Biden administration said last night, late on a Friday night in their news dump, that they knew about this spy balloon floating towards America. They let it come into America and float over the country. And they weren't going to announce that this was happening because this apparently happens all the time. And there's been like half a dozen under the Trump administration, for instance, that that took place. And these spy balloons are very common across the world from different governments. And uh, we don't we send our spy balloons and they don't mess with theirs. And so part of the thinking as to why they don't shoot it down, which is a a whole thing we'll get into. But um, they uh, because it's apparently a lot harder than just like popping a balloon because people think of this as a balloon. Like, you pop it like a helium balloon, but this thing is the size of, like, three school buses. It's got the volume of 190 Goodyear blimps, Mm -hmm. and it's very big. Yes. And so if you shoot it with a missile, it's the same principle as walking out and firing your gun in the air, Harry. Should you, on New Year's Eve, fire your gun into the air? No, simple fixes to tell us. I I think the best opinion that we need about this balloon comes from Vincent Vincent. Uh, my opinion on the balloon is uh, who cares because because Tencent owns more things connected to people's computers right now, which is connected to the Chinese government, than that balloon could get information. All right, for. we'll we'll get there. Hold on, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you have the if you've got the Epic launcher on your computer right now, it's taking everything from it. If you've got TikTok installed onto your phone, this program is copying everything from your phone and sending it to the Chinese government, including your clipboard. So if you think you're slick and copy pasting your passwords out of your password manager, guess what? Tencent has that information because it copies your clipboard what? even on ios well, all right hold on well everybody slow down okay <laughs> we're not done explaining what's going on with this balloon situation <laughs> before we start ranting about it we need everybody to understand what's going what's going on okay so uh i don't know why the sound is terrible i hope it sounds better on your end i'm so sorry we're still working everything out if it sounds a little bit odd um but so the uh it apparently floated over the Pacific, and we didn't shoot it down then. And now once it gets over the United States, even in Montana, where there's nothing in Montana and Kansas, they didn't want to shoot it down because if you shoot a gun into the air, the bullet goes somewhere. If you shoot a missile into this thing, it it doesn't necessarily pop it. So um, this is a Forbes article. Uh, actually, let me start with the... New York, the Washington Post article. Well, just so, before, and some history. Before that, I did see that a sheriff's department put out a notice saying, please don't go out with your guns and try yep. to shoot at this. Evansville thing. said that too. Yeah. So um, it, it, is it, a, it is apparently a long standing tradition for aerial surveillance to be allowed amongst different countries. Dwight D. Eisenhower first proposed an open skies agreement in Geneva in 1955. Um, and, you know, people tend to allow other nations to surveil what's going on over there. Now, we have satellites, and so I've read reports that this thing doesn't necessarily pick up anything. I think it's, if you could move yours away, I think there, 
There we go. Perfect. And then just move it over when you're ready. Um, this thing apparently doesn't pick up anything more than what you get from, uh, I think it may be you, so you move your mic a little bit. Just There's just a nose whistle from somebody going on here that's driving me crazy. I don't breathe, sir. <laughs> I know. Uh, so you can, you, you can get a satellite to pick up all this information. Um, the United States and Russia have pulled out of the Open Skies Treaty, uh, so we don't, and, and China never signed on to it. Um, but apparently there was a balloon. I'm trying to find the history here. Uh, duh, 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 where it floated into... So let me just read you a little bit from this Forbes article. Busting that Chinese spy balloon is harder than you think. Um, the problem of getting... So let's, in fact, bringing down this type of balloon may be difficult. It is highly resistant to available weapons. It may look fragile... But the sheer size and construction of the stratospheric balloon makes it all but invulnerable. There's also a problem of getting to it. It, it rides in the stratosphere, far above airliners. Mm-hmm. They do this to, advantage, uh, to take advantage of the change in wind direction with altitude to steer themselves to where they need to go, like ships. Uh, we have our own balloon program designed to lurk undetected in enemy airspace. Such balloons typically fly at 80,000 feet or more. NASA's version, versions cruise at 120,000 feet. An F-15 and an F-22, the Eagle and the Raptor, respectively, um, operate around 65,000 feet. So this thing operates about 15,000 feet more than a typical balloon. And while that might be able to get close enough to fire a missile, the balloon may be too high for them to actually shoot. So you're not going to hit it with your AR-15. So please don't get a murder charge because you accidentally uh, killed someone with by discharging your weapon. Um, so we tend to think of like the Hindenburg disaster, but this isn't like that. Uh, these are colossal balloons. NASA's standard balloons are 40 million cubic feet, the equivalent of more than 195 Goodyear blimps. And you could fit an entire football stadium inside of one of these. The balloon envelope is made of plastic material no thicker than a sandwich wrap, and the pressure difference between inside and outside is small. Attempting to let the air out by punching a few holes with a bullet or a missile is like trying to ventilate an entire warehouse with fresh air by opening one small window. Uh, in 1998, a rogue Canadian weather balloon drifted towards Russian airspace. So Canada, Norway, and Sweden attempted to bring it down without success. Two Canadian CF-18s hit the balloon with more than 1,000 rounds of 20-millimeter cannon fire off the coast of Newfoundland riddling it with holes. That was not enough to let significant amount of gas out, and the balloon continued to drift. A volley of 2.78-inch rockets, uh, 275-inch rockets, were equally ineffective as the high-explosive rockets simply flew through the balloon without detonating because it's too thin to actually trigger it. Maybe the uh, real, any missile fired may be a greater hazard to civilians when it lands than the balloon itself because, after all, the Chinese can get this with satellite information. Now, why are they actually launching this? So there was in the last couple of days... um, Now, China has taken credit for it. They said this was just a weather balloon gone rogue. Uh, So it is just... It's out there. Um, uh, And they have taken credit for it. The military says, basically, it's just too disruptive. We can't take it down. Um, and there's nothing we can do, so you just got to let it float. 
These things are usually hidden from the public view because they don't want everybody to get alarmed and they don't want to shoot it down because they don't want our shot down when we're flying over Russia, and usually they're undetected. But this got detected in Montana, and a picture was posted by a, a Billings newspaper, and uh, that is how it got discovered. And uh, so here's my theory on why we are hearing about this as opposed to other, pe- you know, other balloons. Uh, President Biden and, uh, has announced basically the U.S. military is expanding its presence in the Philippines, which leaves little doubt that we are positioning ourselves in America to constrain China's arms forces and defend against Taiwan. This was three days ago. So, Harry, what better way to make the American military and Joe Biden look like a bunch of feckless, ineffective boobs than to float a balloon where you know it can be seen Knowing they're not going to do anything, float a second balloon up through Latin America. There's one off Costa Rica right now. And uh, knowing that they're not going to do anything, and then pump the internet with network propaganda from Chinese algorithms, especially targeting the right in the country, which already has a lot of network uh, networked capabilities and is already anti-China, anti-Biden. So you make sure that everybody knows it as a way to demoralize the American people and think that their American military can't protect them when you're planning to invade other countries. Does that sound like a good theory? That's my theory. It could be something like uh, you could say, like it's a little uh, China projecting soft power doing something like that. Um, But right now the, but China does these things all the time where they just put their fingers very ever so closely to war. They're basically is that little, your little brother or sister that, you know, I'm not touching you. I'm going to get up to the point of combat that you think you might have to do something. And then, then just back away because you can't do anything about that. Um, and yes, they have tons of different bots and bot storms to come after people to try to, you know, get uh, fervor of it. Then also the Biden administration probably wants to lean into that because everything else that's going on for the Democrats inside of Congress or the other crap storm with, um, you know, classified documents that, you know, I already had our lawyers sweep the studio. We don't have any classified documents here. We're good. Um because everyone keeps finding them in their garages. It's a, Reinhold just remembers it. He doesn't write anything down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's why we don't let Reinhold keep anything here. <laughs> <laughs> Can I leave this old box of paperwork here? No, no, you cannot, Reinhold. But no, I just want to store it. <laughs> safekeeping. But no, it would. This balloon. I honestly, I really do believe this is not the first, nor will be the last time that the Chinese government. Um, have lost control of something in the stratosphere or out, out of something in the stratosphere. They have lost control of satellites before. Then getting losing control of this weather balloon is possibly possible. Weather patterns did change. You know, This could just be an a, an, a legitimate accident from the Ch- Chinese government. You have no control over weather balloons. They That's put right. them in the air and they just float. You just kind of plan them. And the thing is, is that this thing doesn't, this takes more than a day or two mm-hmm. to prepare, get up and running, and get in the air and get all the way over here. It right. takes it's this very slow moving, mm-hmm. and these things are huge to fill it mm-hmm. up and get it in the air and ready to go. They've yeah. had to have it going for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, find it, I find it amazing that. that I mean they must have known about it, right? NORAD can track Santa. 
Why well, can't they track uh, weather balloons? We we know that there's balloons. There, there's weather balloons. There's spy balloons. There's spy planes. There's all kinds of stuff Drones. going on over the top of of all these countries and has been for seventy years at least. Yeah, I mean that's really the the reason why we had um, uh, what was the name of the with the the. UFO landed supposedly. Oh, Roswell. Roswell. Roswell yeah. Roswell was an, was one of those types of high. What Area Fifty Four was? It was basically where they did. Yeah, I mean, balloons. This, yeah. this has been going. On. We've had with, with Cold War in Russia. There has been constant. Area Fifty One. Oh yeah, I'm thinking of Cl- <laughs> Club Fifty Four. Yeah, I was going to say Fifty One. I thought Fifty Four. Fifty Four is the New York Dance Club in the seventies. Sorry, but the, um, but this stuff's been going on. Like I said, the Cold War we had. Spy planes going over on top of each other. We all knew it was happening, and the governments knew it was happening. But it's like they can't call it out because if they call out, it, it's kind of like when we found out that um, Russia had hacked the DNC. Yeah, we couldn't say really how we knew. How we knew was because we had already hacked them, right? And we were watching them do it. So that was it. Was hard to say that, but they had to kind of weasel their way around to saying it that way. It, it, it kind of dovetails into a little bit of the Biden document story and the Trump document story. Like Pence took documents. You know, Dick Cheney has more documents than Donald Trump. But well, the thing is, part of the the whole thing with the documents is that it, I don't know how much you want to get into that, but it, it's it's irritating because I mean, technically, I've mishandled. Classified documents. Mm-hmm. I got in trouble for it. I had to pay my penalty. Oh yeah, because you were in the naval. Na- I was the navy. In- I was the navy nuclear power program. Right. We had top secret clearance. Blah, blah blah. So we and we had to mark all our pages top secret on all our notes. I had forgot to mark a couple. They got found in my note in my locker. Blah blah blah. So it, handling documents is hard, especially with the number sheer number of documents that are. So the, and the fact that. The presidents aren't boxing up these documents. There, there's people coming in doing that. They mm-hmm. some people f- don't catch it and it gets stuck in somewhere with it, and that is understandable. And there's a lot and that's not, classified. And there's, and, yeah, and there's not going to be any uh, indictments over that kind of stuff because if you find them and you go, "Oh, I found them," I better let somebody know and get them back where they're supposed to be. That's what they want you to do. So they're going. Right. You're cooperating. The, the Biden's lawyers, when they found them, could have just said, "Get to shredder." Let's right. burn this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but they didn't. They well, the difference, the difference between the two stories is, so if you're not familiar with what happened, Joe Biden's lawyers were packing up his office in his Ivy League think tank, which who knew he had a think tank. But they all, you know, if you remember the Clinton Foundation story, they start a foundation. It pays, you know, they get paid to do a lot of speeches. They get paid to do think tank stuff. And so the University of Pennsylvania, I believe it was, had the Biden think tank. And he had taken a lot of documents as vice president. Somebody packed them up. Nobody seems to know who. And they stored them in this uh, particular place. And as they were packing up to leave the offices because they were moving, they found, uh, I believe it was like 10 classified documents. I don't know that any of them were classified top secret. Now... Mike Pence has found a couple of classified documents in his house in Columbus, Indiana. Uh, Now, they've asked all vice presidents and presidents to look for classified documents. As I understand it, it is fairly common for this kind of stuff to happen. And one of the good things about the Trump administration was that Trump did what a lot of other people do or had happened to him what happens to a lot of other politicians 
but he did it to such an egregious level that it becomes a topic of conversation and everybody can see how their government operates in the clear and open. Donald Trump didn't just pack up some stuff. Uh, now, if you're listening to The Daily Wire, he did. But uh, he basically had 54 boxes, was, and it was like 10,000 documents that so he did was- not return to the archives, and there were two separate rounds, yeah. and he had 300 classified documents, and many of those, mm-hmm. I think it was like, well, he went beyond. He went beyond the typical, top secret or something. Yeah, the typical procedure to have somebody come in and, and go through things as right. packing up. He went through a different process because he's Trump and does things differently. He took but, stuff like Roger Stone's pardon. Yeah, yeah. He, he took, took it. He specifically took it for, targeted some stuff too. He yeah. took stuff that well, they're never going to let me tell my own story. I need to keep this stuff, mm-hmm. or I can sell Roger Stone's pardon for a profit. Or you know, so he I have di- I have information on somebody I can use for leverage. Exactly. So he took stuff that he knew he could use in some form or fashion later. Didn't return these tens of thousands of documents to the National Archives. They asked for them back, knowing what was missing. He said no. They got into a legal fight, and that's what triggered the FBI coming in. It was not a raid. He called it a raid. Everybody else calls it a raid. And that was sort of Trumpian propaganda that we all bought into initially. <laughs> um, they were executing a warrant for something because this man took documents that belonged to uh, the United States government. And a perfect example is that once they found all this stuff, they had lawyers going into other storage areas. Yeah. And they found a couple of documents in a storage locker that Trump had. And the the Department of Justice is like, okay, that is understandable that there's no there's no um, intent at that point. So that's the thing about <laughs> Harry's telling us to reel it in. Honestly, I'm just gonna say it, but that's that's really the point there is that there's mens rea, there is intent. The intent was not for for Pence or for Biden or any of these people. Uh, there's a story about a little girl. Allegedly. Yeah. as far as right. we can tell. But we have good provable intent on Trump's side that he meant to take those. Including him saying it at a rally. He's He's, admitted to everything. He said it at a rally to try and shift the news cycle away from uh, the Nick Fuentes stuff, and it didn't work. Uh, He just admitted to the the Stormy Daniels stuff on Truth Social, the thing he is being investigated for, he admitted to. I I don't know. Anyways, all right, enough about that. I don't know. Do you guys have – what do you want to say about the spy balloon – um, go ahead, James. I don't know. Like, I just heard when, when Reinhold was talking about like storing top secret nuclear documents in his locker. I was just expecting the flashbang to come through the window, bro. It's like, <laughs> let's go. Let's boog it. Vincent? The the whole spy balloon, just, it's ridiculous to me. It's like, what are they going to, what information are they going to get that that isn't going to be given voluntarily by people who are already giving that information. Tencent, which is a gaming company, owns League of Legends and most of Epic Games. So anybody who plays Fortnite or League of Legends, they have they're already giving their information. Is it a Chinese a Chinese company, Tencent? Yes. Yeah, not only a Chinese company, they they're giving thirty percent of their profits to the CCP. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, so, and to be a large company, you have to have someone a member of the party, right? In in your company, you have right. to have it. You know, you have to have a person in the party in your company, right? So anybody who plays any of the kids who any parents are like, here, son, you can play Fortnite and put Fortnite on their thing. 
they're already giving, they're willingly giving their information to the CCP uh, anyway. I, I, yeah, and TikTok, obviously, yeah. there's the, yeah. the debate yeah. about TikTok. So TikTok, so you put it on your phone, so it's getting your GPS information. It's already picking up radio signals. So I don't know what you think this balloon is getting that your phone, you're not also giving with your, with your phone. So t- talk a little bit about TikTok and, and the, why they want to ban it and what's the problem with it. TikTok, sh- um, they want to ban TikTok because I'm guessing do- you don't have it on your phone. No, I do not. I no, have to not. for work, but you do. So what? Why don't you put it on your phone? What's the problem with it? Uh, TikTok, because when someone reversed engineered TikTok, they found out that one TikTok is. I don't want to get into this too much, but TikTok's app is doing just what most social media companies are doing. They're pulling in all, all of this information, but with the Amer- a lot of American companies are using for ad revenue and selling ads for you. The it's more of the unknown of what the CCP is using this information for and gathering. We all do know that, um, which we found out from Ukraine, is that a lot of the state agencies are using this information that they're stealing from people's phone from social media sites and using it to target things. This is the main reason when stupid people went over to Ukraine, a lot of things got bombed early on because they were just used like, oh, you posted this on Instagram? Thanks for leaking our metadata. Right. You know, we know exactly where the heck you are. Um, you know, it's the same thing, it, same way with the Ukrainians going after the Russians because Russians had TikTok and, you know, doing stupid stuff on their phones, but... So you're, and like I said, with the clipboard thing. So when someone reversed engineered TikTok, they also found out that it was copying your clipboard, which a lot of people use for they type in passwords or copy mm. and paste passwords because they've got it saved somewhere. Or like let's say like uh, I texted you the password to the bank, and you you know you put it in your clipboard, a copy right. from the text message, and you post it there. Cool. The TikTok the TikTok app scans your entire clipboard every freaking time. Right. So you know it's it's like the American. It's like NASA gathering all of our metadata for our emails and phone calls and text messages. And they have access to it all, but they say they just look at the metadata. Um, metadata is huge. And, and, NSA, and, not NASA. And everybody, yeah, not NASA, the NSA. Um, and everybody, every government on Earth, well, most governments, most major governments probably do all this stuff too and collect all this information. Um, and they say, well, it's just metadata, Harry. Uh, the Chinese government and the American government are just taking the metadata of your email. What does that mean? The United government claims metadata. The Chinese government takes everything. They don't care. They don't have no civil... The Chinese government doesn't care. They, they will take your information. They will take that. Just like... All right, so... Everyone's seen those a lot of these protests that happened in China, these and Hong Kong, and all these all these protests over like the uh, over the COVID protesting, right? And China, the Chinese government supposedly like relaxed a lot of that and like, oh, we've gotten rid of zero COVID stuff like that, which they kind of did. They kind of did relax it, but they did not take that lying down. A lot of those people that did all that are they're gone. They're gone. They've been picked up. Yeah. A lot of people who were they close to that because the of their metadata, they, they the know meta- yeah, metadata they, location. They found the phone and they right. picked them up and took them. They are gone. They are missing. All those brave men and women in China that stood up to the CCP, they'll probably never be seen again. They're right. gone. Yeah. You, know, you watch those protests. Everybody, those people holding up the A4 protests, holding up the blank A4 sheets of paper, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they, they go through their fear. they go through their phones and they find some reason to put them in a in a prison camp. Um, Not even they can just go. Oh, this is where you are. Well, you protested, and then they don't really have to give a reason because there's nobody that holds them accountable. Because right. they hold themselves accountable. Yeah. So like you guys are against us, we're just going to take you away and yeah. put you in these camps next to these Uyghurs that we've been still having camps that nobody wants to talk about anymore. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uyghur, the Falun Gong. Um, no, uh, the Chinese government. China is asshole. Okay. <laughs> 
China is asshole. Yes, CCP is It is a yes. terrible, terrible organization. The Chinese people are amazing, but the CCP, they're the a-holes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a movie I just watched called The Laundromat on Netflix that is basically a movie version of the Panama Papers, and they talk about China and the Falun Gong and how mm-hmm. they just basically, you're, pro, you're just part of this cult, and then they come in and they harvest your organs. Yep. Um, yep. So which check we, that out. Yeah, which, which is where the Epoch comes in. Yeah. The, the Epoch Times is run by the Falun Gong, mm-hmm. which they came to New York to start an anti-Chinese paper, mm-hmm. an anti-CCP paper, which was the Epoch Times, which then got funded by the Mercers, I believe, or some... No, I think it was just they, they became sort of like right wing yeah. as a as an organization. So well, they linked because people were the because they realized who was buying their paper, right? You know, yeah. like a lot of people on the right wing was actually buying into right. it and liking something because they did try to get some of the. Well, the, the right's going to be more anti CCP, right? Yeah, yes. so that makes yeah. sense. All right, so let's uh, end there on that discussion. We'll flesh more of this stuff out in the future. We'll talk TikTok more, Harry. Anytime you can rant about China, you're happy. Yeah, pretty much. So the let's, only thing that makes him happier is Elon Musk. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, and then when we return, we will start talking about AI and chat GPT. It seems to be more present in our lives. And, uh, you know, should you be scared to death? Is the Terminator coming for you? So stay tuned. We'll talk about it right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollar first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus best that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Welcome it's back. This is a checkbox. Welcome back to the Chris Bengel Show, and we are Libertarians uh, here on the We Are Libertarians <laughs> Podcast Network. Want to say thank you to all of our patrons who support us. We really do appreciate it, especially our one hundred dollar a month uh, subscribers. Starting with Jason Doolittle, who this studio is named after Jason Doolittle because he helped us get it all set up. Christy Avery, Reinhold, uh, Vincent Peichel, Matthew Durbin, Lars Nordskog, and Jake Edel. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. Now, I wake up every day, and uh, as I'm kind of waking up and uh, watching the Bob and Tom show, whom I work for on YouTube, uh, I'm just sort of scanning news articles on Memorandum, uh, The Drudge Report, Real Clear Politics, uh, 
what's the alter alternate or whatever I forget. Uh, but you know, generally I like to go to like aggregators just to scan the headlines and see what everybody's talking about. And I first heard of Jet Chat GPT about two months ago at an industry event amongst kind of local the local tech crowd, and they said Chat GPT would be disruptive. Then about a month after that. I saw that Google has put out a red alert about this new thing called ChatGPT, that it's basically going to destroy their business, and so some new product is disrupting them right at the time they're being sued for antitrust because no one could ever bring down Google except for the uh, federal government. And then now, over the last like two weeks, I've seen stories like, literally one of the headlines was, Will ChatGPT Destroy Democracy? Uh... Every college exam, I'm going to read you actually something that a college professor sent me, um, and I'll be a little vague so they don't get in trouble, but uh, ChatGPT has the, uh, the education industry completely panicked, that it's going to destroy the college essay. Um, 90% of content will be written by AI. Uh, I saw a pastor named Mark Driscoll yesterday say, what happens when 90% of the content written on the internet is done by ChatGPT and it's controlled by demons? So now we've added the spiritual realm to it. Uh, BuzzFeed just laid off a bunch of employees, and they said that they're going to start using ChatGPT to write a bunch of their quizzes. Um, I, I have seen nothing but doom and gloom around ChatGPT and artificial intelligence and how it's going to steal everyone's job coming up. Now, just to kind of further set the paranoia here that you're experiencing if you're reading the news about this thing, and then we'll explain a little bit about what it is and what it does. So this college professor wrote to me, I've already seated the ground on homework in my classes. Students are already using it in our programming courses. Idiots who got 30% are retaking the class all of a sudden have a perfect A-plus code with comments so far this semester. It's going to nullify a huge sector of colleges and universities. So we started putting instructions into ChatGPT to see how smart it actually is if we give it limited information, i.e. what a student would copy and paste from the question. So we'd say, write code for this basic programming thing that you'd learn at college and in minutes, it wrote the entire thing with good variable names, properly commented code. It was flawless. And if a student turned that in, I would never grade anything they turned in again because I would just give them an A for the course because they clearly already mastered the subject. So if we give them, ask them to code three programs like we do on exams, a three, four-hour exam will now take 10 minutes. It's that good at understanding what I teach. So we don't really have a good answer for it except to maybe not do homework or let them cheat and do homework. Um, and then use other tools during the exam to proctor everybody. Or some in the uh, university are saying that we now have to have blue books. So you'll be writing out your code like Elon Musk, printing out your code. You'll be sitting down and writing your code into blue books as opposed to doing quizzes the way that you did it. Um, so uh, I have used ChatGPT, so let me pull it up so you can kind of see what this does. Um, I have very limited. I don't know if you guys are any of you guys using it for anything. I, I want to just make a comment on 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 that professor. Okay, one. go ahead. There's already a program that exists 
that that goes through ChatGPT mm-hmm. and sees what the possible variables that it can give because it can only gives so many answers. Right. And then it will go through of the tests of people using it and go, oh, this is ChatGPT, and then fail them. Right. So that already exists. They already found a way to fix that being an issue. Yeah. Like that. And anybody thinking they can't just go on Google and find that same code exactly. already posted somewhere, which they've been doing for a decade. Uh, uh, perfect, okay, yeah. perfectly honest, it is teaching them how to get a programming job. You know, you're going to stay on Stack Overflow all day and Google tab open. Your, right. your, your director is going to tell yeah. you, like, hey, I'm not saying that's not how I did it. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> terrific honest. Honestly, homework with ChatGPT is teaching you, getting you ready for the real world. Right, and, and not only that, finding not efficiencies. Even, yeah. yeah, not even to do your the job programming quicker. part, like the, the essays part. There's, there's ChatGPT has only has so many ways of wording things. Mm-hmm. So the way it's worded sounds very unnatural, mm-hmm. and it comes off as. Uh, be it being an AI, because it yeah. only has so much vocabulary and so right. much understanding it's going to that's improve. easy to find I mean, out what it is. That's yeah. the As of right issue. now, this is what so, it is. Hold on. So who created ChatGPT? Do you guys know the history of it? Um, what is it called? The uh, What is the company is it called? Open AI? Yeah, yeah, Open AI. Yeah, they created that also with uh, MidJourney too, right? Yeah, yeah. And Microsoft is looking at buying it for a large amount of money. It's Mm -hmm. usually overburdened, and because so many people are using it, so they're introducing a paid tier to get around the fail whale. And basically, there's like these big crawls on the internet. And so, two years ago, it did this crawl of sixty percent of the Mm -hmm. internet, and that's apparently how it ingested its information and created its knowledge bank. So. I don't. It has a knowledge of me, so if you ask it who is Chris Spangle, like I'll show you here. But that's how Google got yeah. its information, or any search engine. Right. It just crawls through anything anyway. And you can block those yeah. bots if you want mm-hmm. to. So. Yeah. The other one is that I have been using ChatGPT for code review. Mm-hmm. I actually was like number one code reviewer for like a week for using ChatGPT. <laughs> you just throw it in there because it, it has an underst- a basic understanding of it because code yeah. is, is very, this is how it's done. Mm-hmm. It's not... As opinion-based yeah, or open-based. I mean, at some point, I want to have the conversation. We'll do this later. But my concern, my, my question is, is why is this? Because people consider this a bad thing. I mean, it's just like when we got the telephone or we got Yeah, so we'll talk about that point yeah, in just okay, a second. Yeah, so we'll get, we'll get so it, does, it just asked it, who am I? And it didn't have it. But when I previously asked it, who is Chris Spangle, it said he's an American libertarian podcaster, writer, and speaker. He's the founder and director of the We Are Libertarians podcast network and former host of the We Are Libertarians podcast. Spangle is also the publisher of the We Are Libertarians website, which features a bunch of, and it goes on, he believes in uh, vocal, he's a vocal advocate. Uh, I asked it to tell me more. It added a bunch, it added the same information with very benign information, like he has been a frequent guest on various radio and television programs and written articles and essays for various publications related to libertarianism and related topics. Um, I said, is Chris Spangle famous? Chris Spangled is a well... This is how I know it's full of shit. Is a well-known figure in the libertarian community and is considered a respected commentator on libertarianism and related political issues. <laughs> he has a large following on social media and his podcast. We Are Libertarians has been consistently popular for many years, Harry. Uh, he is also well-known uh, and well-respected among libertarian-leaning individuals, activists, and organizations. Uh, so then I asked it to rewrite this in the voice of Keith Morrison from Dateline. And it wrote, good evening, I'm Keith Morrison, and welcome to Dateline. Today we take you on a, heart, a journey on the heart of li- the libertarian movement. Our story centers around one man, Chris Bangle. 
He's the blah blah blah. So it adds like the phrase. You can ask it to rewrite it. Like let's rewrite in the voice like of cool, William mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Fletcher spells Shakespeare wrong. Oh, Grammarly on steroids. You're mad at this because this AI program gasses you up when your own friends will be like, "Man, this podcast sucks." I know, right? <laughs> well, he's mad about that because you know he's going to get the mirror app on his phone in, in his in his uh, bathroom, and this is what he's going to read every day. You know, he's <laughs> <laughs> brushing his teeth. I mean, well, I mean, based off that, we should have better monetization, right? Is that mm. what I'm saying? Well, exactly. So, it's our money. Oh, Pay fair me. citizens of this great land, allow me to impart unto thee the tale of a man of noble spirit. A man of great conviction and unwavering resolve. A man with a steadfast heart and relenting purpose doth fight for the cause of individual freedom and limited government. A man by the name of Chris Spangle. I love this thing. Chat, this is great. Chat GPT, he ain't gonna fuck you, bro. Like, you don't gotta, <laughs> yeah. you don't gotta simp like that. Uh, so I use, it, I use it to kind of... Uh, so I've done some research with it. So I'm doing a show on the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. And basically what it gives you, you've got to know what questions to ask it, right? Yeah. But it kind of gives you the first paragraph on Wikipedia if you're using it for what I use it for, right? So, um, you and I also will take something and say, put this into bullet points. So then it becomes sort of a bullet-pointed thing, and I found it to be something that is... Uh, so th- this is interesting. So I'm I'm using it at work to uh, I'm using Glasp to transcribe YouTube videos mm-hmm. at work. Okay. Then I put the uh, transcript in the Chat BT, GPT and say summarize it. Sometimes it gives me about f- ten to twenty percent I can use, uh, but it says this uh, video appears to it's a song about yoga pants. And basically how he just likes looking at girls' butts and and yoga pants. So we work for a comedy radio show. It's a parody song. This video appears to be a comedic song about a person's experience with yoga and their attraction to a person in yoga pants. The video includes audio of someone doing yoga and references to farts and a shapely ass. This video concludes with the speaker's enjoyment of the song being spoiled by a child. It's hard to explain. It is not appropriate to create such content, and it is disrespectful to individuals and groups that are targeted. So when so I'm doing woke. when I yeah when I'm doing my uh, protocols of the Elder of Zion, this is a very bad thing. Don't believe this. It's it's very much uh, a scold in some cases, but so it doesn't get comedy. Um, and so I'm using it for basic research like I would on Wikipedia. What I would do is I would go, what is this thing to Google? And it'd give me five websites. I'd read the five websites and I'd summarize it. Mm-hmm. This is just doing it quicker. Yeah, it's doing, it's doing more work for you than, than Google. That's why Google thinks this is a, a, a threat because really why wouldn't you just go there and say, you know, find a recipe for – um, yeah. Sweet potato mashed, you know, mashed mm-hmm. sweet potatoes, and then have it not only just find it, but then print it out for you and list it. Mm-hmm. And, right, and you're ready to go. You Reformat don't have to go it. to the yeah. website, right? All this stuff. And so you know, we we it. are we are thinking about doing an IndyCar podcast here on the network. Give me 20 names for an IndyCar podcast. None of these are very good, but it gives you 20. You could ask for 100, and it'd come and up you, with 100. But it gives, you, it gives you information that you can then maybe spark an idea off. Yes. Right. Uh, so write me 20 pomp, prompts on a post about IndyCar. And it gave me 20 prompts, like the history of the Indianapolis 500 and its impact on American motorsports, the role of team strategy in IndyCar races. So bloggers are using it as a way to kind of be like a brainstorming 
mm-hmm. tool it, it, to right. write. And you website. said it earlier, yeah. it makes more sense. Like there, there's the websites that are out there just to try to get clicks. So they put the yep. you know, ten things about this or five things about that. Right. That's so much easier to do with a program like this. And make money because you're just getting click views, right? So. It's basically used as a way to make the, the lower effort content stuff of like, oh, it's the top 10 whatever shows. You can just go, cool, and give me 10 of these and you can do it. Another good example is somebody had the idea of if you're like, let's say you're a content creator and you use it to give like a basic outline of a script that you can use and enhance to be how do it fit your personality or your wording and basically use it as like a, an outline for what you're going to, to do. To start, like when we, exactly. do, when we do coding, as we said before, use, we don't start with a blank coding editor and just start typing. Right. Yeah. We're going to pull something else in and build off of it. I know you do, but that's – so, but, but it's like kind of like Grammarly – on steroids, isn't it? I mean, this is like giving us the Kinda. ability to have, and, and I think it might improve what we're reading on the internet by upping the the level of gram, not just grammar, but the way sentences, mm-hmm. English, and yeah, understanding is going to be a way it's going to sound more intelligent, and people may learn from that. Hey, maybe this is the way we should be communicating. These are the types of language we should be using. These are the types of sentence structures we're getting used to again. Like we used to hundreds of years ago, people used to do a lot more writing and reading right. than we do now. So people had when you when you read like letters back people used to send letters back and forth back in, you know, like 1700s we're, we're looking at the the letters centering around the founding of the country. You know, you read those and you go these people really wrote well. They didn't have dick to do. Yeah. The other, say, the other, like, grow their own food. But I'm saying, plant, you water the plant that. for the day, and all right, I guess yeah. I fed the pigs and watered the plant. Now I'll go read for 19 hours. Yeah, this tool may bring that back a little bit by getting people used to that type of language to where it's, it's better to understand. It's more clear. It's more concise. Mm-hmm. It makes, I think, makes communication with each other better. So, so I mean, there's go, a possibility this could be used in a good way for that. Go ahead, Harry, and then Vincent. The other thing I see for it is also the good thing for also ADA compliancy for other websites, so we can ingest photos and be able to describe what this photo is. Mm-hmm. For, you know, so that alt photo that you see, you know, to help people who are visually impaired for websites or just use screen readers. Yeah, so as, yeah, people do that, but it's more manual process. So yeah, right. an automated and, process. Would be yeah, I, I think everybody in the knowledge industry is constantly having coworkers let go and then asked to do more mm-hmm. and especially in writing and journalism and you know in in my industry and in radio for instance it's an invaluable tool for efficiencies to help you write the description a little bit beefier a little bit faster it's i'm going to have to rewrite it i'm still going to have to put it in my voice but you know, it's it's been great for kind of formatting wait, and research. Wait till you can say, put it in the voice of Chris Spangle. Right, right, right. Yeah, because you've ingested enough of your own stuff, and and that's sort of the problem. We'll we'll get to other forms of AI, but Vincent, you were going to make a point. Uh, the other thing about ChatGPT, it will give you what you put into it, yeah. so you could. Like I was listening to somebody talk about it yesterday, and when they they were talking about how they put in the prompt to write an article about how veganism and the increase of people w- watching anime in the West are connected, and they made up a bunch. The ChatGPT made up a bunch of BS reasons of how it could mesh together because it doesn't because it it was just taking the prompt you gave it and it made a bunch of. St- 
silly argument of why this is the case. So it's very much whatever you put into it is what you'll get out of it. Garbage people, is garbage out. Exactly. It's true because like what happens is like you ingest the soy, the soy makes you a femboy. When you're a femboy, you get attached <laughs> to certain like gotcha games and you kind of relate to this like, gotcha character and then you're, you're going to the pipe hole like anime. It's, it's Just don't eat soy and you'll never like enjoy anime. I, I'm not saying like I'm soy proof. But I got soy in me, and like I enjoy anime a little bit, you know. It's just, and I don't have soy, and I don't enjoy anime, so maybe that's something there. I don't know. Let but, me show you one use that a content creator is using. Um, many of you may be familiar with Austin Peterson. He's a libertarian, conservative, re- Republican type radio guy. With an E, make sure it's E R. <laughs> um, he, he is. He is doing uh, reviews of various philosophical. So I messaged him this morning just to ask. But watch watch this video, and we'll kind of break down how he's doing it. And you know, this is it's got sixteen hundred likes. Uh, let's turn on the music. There's no music. What am I doing? So basically, what he's doing, uh, if we could hear it, why can't you hear it? Let me. Did you share with audio? Oh, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Let me go back. Uh, sorry. We're, this is a professional podcast. What is your what is this out? Yeah, One of your professional. It says guys. audio tab. What? Oh. I don't know. Here we go. Just set the. That's going to distort, Chris. Anyway, so we don't we don't need the audio really because we're we're gonna talk. Uh, but the, everyone's beside themselves, bro. Because. Like you treated you treated that you, you, you treated that laptop like it's a Line Six guitar amp. You're like, yo, let me just throw the microphone on it. We're just gonna like record it. This is what happens when you show up for a mic check. Okay, this is so what yeah, where were you at rehearsal? Basically, what Austin is doing is he's using um, auto. AI generated photos to get around copyright issues because if you use photos of other people, it's copywritten, and so he's creating AI photos, and then he's having Chat GPT probably write the script for him. And there's a Just, program reading it, probably. There's a. It, I think he's the one reading it, but he's probably using something to auto uh, auto subtitle it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so now he's saving. And if he were to go and draw all of these images. Write the script, uh, find photos that are copyright free. He'll have half the photos. It's going to take him probably 10 hours longer to create this thing that probably took him two hours now or one hour, right? And so, if you're a creator, that's really good and really helpful and really makes it a lot easier. I mean, I use Grammarly every day of my life, I scan 56,000 words a week. Because of what I, all the stuff that I write, I'm a copy editor. Uh, I'm a writer. Um, have so, you, have you had it draw a hand yet? I have not had it draw a hand, um, but I use Grammarly, which is a form of artificial intelligence to check stuff. Uh, so, uh, in coding and stuff like that, like that's the knowledge work world, the influencer world that I live in. 
what implications does this have? What does this do for um, all of your nerd stuff? We uh, all, recognize you as a content creator, but we do not respect you as a, a coder or a programmer. Sorry. No, I'm not. We want to make all. sure. Yeah. We want to make sure that distinction there. This is outrageous. No one's ever been on this council. <laughs> here's, a, here's a distinction I want to make, though, and I think Harry and I probably have a conversation about this a little bit that might bore everybody. Okay, I'm ready but for it. Is this actually? Artificial intelligence? I don't think so. This is just programming. This is algorithms. Yeah. Reading databases and doing programmed analysis of that data. This isn't artificial intelligence. No. People are starting to use this term so grandly. It's because like they're they're not going Where's to the Turing test on this stuff. Where this isn't artificial intelligence. This is artificial programming. Y- yes. <laughs> okay, that saying? is boring. The answer, the answer right. is yes. That's totally right, boring. I'm down for this extra conversation. Huge, no, you can have this on Loki wall. No, so we, it's a huge distinction, though. What is the distinction and why do I care? Because people associate artificial intelligence with thinking machines. Okay, what's, machines intellig- what's artificial intelligence, then? Artificial intelligence is a, a goal that we want to get to that is still hundreds of years away, probably, where machines are actually able to think on their own. The this singularity is, is coming in like seven years. What are you talking about? No, years? no it's we're, 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 I heard that not, 30 years ago. This, this algorithm, is like, this is all algorithms. You're just scanning images and algorithms over and over and over again. This is all it, it really It's is. good programming. It's good programming based off of a huge database, data warehousing. This is still not intelligence. So you're saying the distinction is when the computer can think like I can, that's artificial intelligence. Yeah, when it passes a Turing test. Okay. Which is what? Explain that. To oh, me. A Turing test, Alan Turing put together a test to try to test whether. What was the machines... movie that was about him that was really good? Oh, Imitation Game? Imitation yeah. Game, yeah. Oh, that was there's, really good. But there's a, you know, he, he put together this test, and it probably can be better refined later now, now that we're more modern into it. But um, ways to say whether something is just coding and responding to what you say in a pre coded way, or whether or not it's actually thinking about it, whether it's actually. Drawing conclusions, learning, and then putting out something that wasn't in its original programming. So, and then, I guess I still don't know why I care what you're well, saying. Well, because like, when, whether when you call you start, it AI or not, say, whatever. But when, but when you say you're, AI, you're, you're, then you're, you're computing. Talking, you're, in, you're, you're you're starting to conflate Terminator and other. Fearsome, self-thinking machines. How nine thousand? Yeah, people are starting like then uh, suddenly starting to equate this to that, where people are saying, "Oh, this is Chat AI. This is artificial intelligence." Oh no! And that's Elon Musk does this it's stuff, where he's always constantly computing. talking about it. Yeah, Elon yeah. Musk is very against this because Chat GPT is passed like several different exams. Like the but that's because the program, of- the people who write the, pro- the exams aren't prepared for this, and they're being lazy. That's they true need too. To, to, They're using the same. Yeah, it's ones it's from like years. people right. who used to write write uh, exams and weren't thinking about the fact that Google existed and doing homework without thinking of the fact that Google existed. Now they know that, so they're starting to change the way they do their testing and examinations. Mm-hmm. So you, and, homework, and now yeah. we got to do it again. So basically, is, what you're saying is like you shouldn't be afraid of uh, it passing the U.S. medical licensing exam because that that information already exists. This is just accessing it faster. It doesn't mean that this is a more intelligent machine. It's just able to put together the data in a quicker amount of time 
then you might be able to. And the chat test is not is either not that good or hasn't changed that much. Or, yeah. or it's really easy to find the information because or, it's scanning the entire yeah. internet when it's like, how do you yeah. do this? And it just goes, well, here's 18 examples of this, so I can just answer And, that and to me, it doesn't... Hold on. And me, then Reinhold, then Harry. Uh, to me, it doesn't matter because you're not learning it if you're just co- reading this and copying it over. There's, there's a mode of learning that still needs to take, a pla- take place. And so if you're just reading chat GPT and writing the answer... Like, I took two semesters of Spanish a year and a half ago. I didn't learn anything about Spanish. Because I didn't learn the material, I just figured out a way in the homework system to get everything wrong, see the key, and then go retake it. So I was, you know, it, that wasn't artificial intelligence. That was me being lazy. Go ahead and write home. But this the program passing these tests is no different than you going in there with an open book and having access to all the information. Right. As you read the test, you go, okay, uh, this is a question. I can go look it up here in the book. Oh, here's my answer. Yeah, you pass if that, If you no use problem. chat GPT all semester and then you go in and take the quiz, you're going to fail yeah. because yeah. you didn't learn yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Am I, am I being an old well, man and crazy you, here, or you, is this correct? You're likely to fail because you didn't learn it, but sometimes these tools like this, if you're looking to actually learn, can help you learn. Mm-hmm. You can do say, okay, fill out all this information for me for this homework, and then you look at the answers and go, Oh, I see how they got there. Okay, this makes sense. You can learn that way. It's but the difference it's not between using it as a tool and using it as the answer. As a right. you, you're using yeah. it to learn it, and it's like, well, I don't understand how, how to do this. I put the question in. It explains how it works. Then I learned how it, how it works so I could reproduce it. It's different than just going, boom, here's the answer. I turn the test in. I don't care. Yeah. You can also see the difference with like photographers. Photographers who actually learn how a photograph is taken from the digital camera or just a physical like paper like the old film style camera. When do they learn how to take a photo versus how do they do now? Most of them uh, most newer photographers are just finally, like, you know what? I can clean this up in Photoshop using just the another basically algorithmic program to help clean up a lot of work which a old school dig- uh, um, film photographer, you know, that took time. You had to take a good photo and, you know, took time in a lab to actually fix that photo. So, James, you're the most transhumanist of us all here, of everybody I know. You basically have merged with technology, as far as I'm concerned. What, what's your take on ChatGPT and should we be concerned about something, about AI basically creating a lot of information quickly? No, it's, it's like I said, it's just like you open the room to like GPT and you expect to find like this hive mind that's just like running everything, but really it's just like some freaking nerd with a SQL database. It's like, oh, if I actually drop this table, I guess they can't learn about cooking today. You know, it's just, um, it's, People get feared from it because, like, I think it's like back even like in the '60s and like '50s, '60s. You know, you had like the old sci-fi things where you're talking about robots and space travel. It was always negative. Robots from outer space shooting you. Like, you're going to get a singularity. It's going to eat your soul, right? Even like cyberpunk literature is always dystopian. And, and like the only the only example I can think of that's like a positive thing of a robot is the Jetsons. Centen- yeah. Centennial Man. Yeah. Even Blade Runner, mm-hmm. like Replicants. Yeah. Like a lot of the media was Star like. Track, yeah. It's been so entangled with science fiction, especially horror, that people are afraid of it. And like, why are they afraid of it? Because like, people are afraid of being like obsolete. And um, it I, kinda... but isn't that sort of a legitimate fear when you know you had fifteen people that would write BuzzFeed's articles? Now you have two. Well, I mean, well, okay. to me is that hold, hold writing on. BuzzFeed articles is 
was easy and that job didn't matter because you can just replace it with an AI. It's low value. That's the it's issue. Like but those human Modern. beings still exist. Those human beings still need to work. What are they going to do? It was the same Find thing. It, it was the same thing in the 30s when we had Born the movie come. Modern Times come out and we had discussion about robotics in the in the workplace and machines doing the jobs of humans. Yeah, and, this, and uh, robotics really thing. worked out great in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the automotive industry. It did. It worked really great for the automotive industry. For the industry. automotive industry, keeps, but keeps not somebody... for the people living in northern central Indiana. Right. They just have to find another way to make money. Oh, did you just, just learn to code? Did oh, you, you just, just say learn to code? To no, the... I didn't say learn to code. I just said find a like you can like there was funny because in the movie Modern Times they, they hire back the guy to maintain the the robot that's doing the work. You know, you right. can you can find other work in that area and do other things. You can move beyond that and go, okay, now I'm going to plan all this stuff out, put all this stuff into the systems, program this stuff, and, and that's not technically so, so to James, code. So, James, your argument is that, I mean, what? that f- The free market compels people to be at the top of their skills at all times and pushes them to well, be better? Well, well no, it's because people are so disconnected from, like, actual learning today, right? It's like, you can go, like, thousands of years ago, like, people were just able to do trajectories in the stars to find their way from, like, Iceland to Greenland to, like, wherever they want to go. They'd sell completely just by doing simple math in their head where the stars are, the placements of the stars are able to do that. People were able to go out to a field like nothing around and like build up houses, build up entire communities. That's all the knowledge basically learned and their experiences learning today. We're so disconnected from the evolutionary process that your food is like basically in a square box that's processed and shipped out to you. You eat it. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know what's in it. It's just, here's your slab of pork that comes from a processing facility. that's just done automatically for you. This is a, how your drink is made is done automatically for you. Your houses are prefabricated. It's automatically done for you. It's printed for you. You have no concept of how to do anything. Like if this all collapsed and you all went into the woods, your first instinct would be, um, I got to go hunt some food, right? But everybody would be doing that and you'd wipe out the entire like population of a forest in like a week. There'd be no animals left and you'd all starve to death because you don't know how to pace yourself. You don't know how to like survive anymore. You don't know how to learn anymore. So people like see AI and something that could do something automatically better than you, they feel like, well, what skills can I learn if the thing can learn all my skills and do it better? I don't have any skills. I don't know anything besides how to do my job. And it's just a existential crisis with people that they don't know their purpose anymore because it's been so automatic since the Industrial Revolution. You don't know how to behave. It know? isn't that... In, I mean, because that is kind of the... Um, the anti-humanist, transhumanist wing, especially, you know, people who sort of gravitate toward Hoppe, and I am definitely a reactionary, and I hear what you're saying, and I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good, right? So, and that's sort of the, why, isn't that the Marxian critique is, you know, it's this technology is alienating human beings, and we need, you know... But it's also freeing them. Hold on, let, let him finish, but... Well, no, well, like, it, it, that insecurity, that, that alienation doesn't seem to be a good thing. Well, because like, people want a utopia, right? Where it's like, well, maybe we get to like, post-scarcity where like, everybody has what they need and what they desire. And like, it's not saying like, your life's fulfilled. It's just saying like, all desires are basically met, like your food, your water, your shelter, because it's all automated. The AI will do it for you. Robots will do it for you. You can kind of just enjoy life and do what you want to do. But like... What if you don't hit a post-scarcity, right? What if, like, you have the AI, the robots, and, like, still there's inequality. You don't get your basic, you know, utilities. So you're kind of, like, living in RVs or tent cities in, like, the middle of Portland. 
And you know, that could easily happen as well because people think like, oh, I'm going to hit a post-scarcity society. It's going to be great. We're going to have like my cyberware and we're going to do this. It can be the total opposite. And it's just when people think of AI and they call like this AI and they think these are robots and they're just like, well, if it's going to replace me, then it won't happen to them because like when the, the factory workers, oh, it's, it just affects low-scale jobs. Like, you know, putting parts in a box. Which is part of the panic now is that yeah. this is affecting knowledge work, so the white-collar mm-hmm. workers who write the articles are going... <gasps> I mean, it's already done in, in IT. Like, it, like, I, like, I could physically click your control panel, uninstall your program, or I could copy and paste the PowerShell that does it for me. You know what I mean? It's like I can just run that a hundred times. Like, I'm not physically doing it anymore. It's like all done by PowerShell, and the people are like, well, um, you know, like... Well, as, as you still have to Google it. It's like, no, you're, you're, everybody's kind of bad at IT. You're just better at Googling than like everybody else, finding the exact line of code that's going to work and replicating it over and over and over. Anybody can do that. What he's saying, Harry, is that everybody's already Googling anyways. Why are we freaking out? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the answer for all of it. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. You're already using a lot of this type of things to accelerate your life anyways right now, currently right now. Yeah. You know, you think you're a great photographer with your iPhone? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, Ryan Holt, go ahead. James, finish your point. And then no, it's, it's like... It's not bad to go to technology because let's be real, like flesh is malleable, weak, and soft. You know what I mean? It's like you get diseases, you're you're you get older, your your bones fail, like your heart fails, your liver fails, you know, like these things fail. Like technology does have a way and like probably the future to fix some of that stuff. And yeah, we we already have like pacemakers for your heart when your heart starts to go bad. Um, they're already working on ways like I think they start, they're still doing things in Alcor where they, they'll freeze parts of your body and try to perfect that process to bring things back because they can bring back certain animals now they can clone out certain animals and kind of fix up problems that were existed in these animals before they were frozen um, it, it has the potential to like extend your life and extend your like way of thinking as a way of like living because eventually like you know like the, the planet itself this planet does have like a finite like lifespan eventually it's just going to erode and like blow up and you have to go to space but going to space is dangerous there's tons of radiation in space can your flesh survive 20 years in like open space because we go to space but it's still within like our stratosphere and our atmosphere like we're not, we're not way out there in space beyond planets the amount of radiation that's out there you wouldn't live more than a year you would just completely die from cancer at that mm-hmm. point yep. so like your flesh cannot physically survive space so you can't leave the planet based on like what you are flesh and bone now you're going to have to do something shielding on like the, the spaceships cryonic sleep uh, replacing like your most uh vulnerable organs with like actual like machinery just to survive going to like another planet in the future if you want to do that like 10,000 20,000 30,000 years in the future like it has to do that if you want to evolve but we're so removed from the evolutionary process from like the, the finches on like Galapagos islands and stuff where like the finches would just change their beaks based on what their diet is. Humans don't do that anymore. Humans haven't done that in like thousands and thousands of years where we adapt to our environment. We let the environment adapt for us. And from that, we just lose all sort of purpose. So we yeah. need to be able to rely on that to like next step in the evolutionary process to go like beyond what we are now. But if we just say, no, I'm scared of it because like it's reading a database for me, you'll never get there. Yep. Go ahead, Harry. The other thing we used to, what I wanted to bring up is the other thing with the work goes on side of uh, Brian Holt's 
artificial intelligence is augmented intelligence. The, I see ChatGPT just be, be another step just to augmenting human intelligence, the add-on to a piece to us. Right. Just like we use computers, or because computers used to be a person, and then now it's a physical device. It's getting closer and closer to us. Everyone, most people don't do like large math problems in their head anymore. Any, they just pick up their phone, just like trying to when Nisa trying to do calculation to figure out how to go somewhere. We don't do that thinking for us. We allow this device to do the thinking for us to find out where we need to go. How do we map this thing out? We don't memorize phone numbers if because we, we augmented our intelligence with this technology. You're never gonna have a calculator on your in your pocket when you grow up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'd love to have my math teacher because I had it on my wrist. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, you seem like a calculator watch kind of dude. And you watch you watch in the, the movie Apollo 13, and they're sitting there having to figure out trajectories, and they're pulling out slide rules because yeah. they don't have access to computers at the time. Right. Oh, man. Good I think it's rule. it's the struggle of, like, what does it mean to be human? And, and like, this, I think, triggers, for me, like, we. I'm not going to say we don't need more humans, but, like, we need... We well, we need more humans, but we don't need more robots that are humans, right? There's, well, we, we need to, we need like the beauty of being a human and connecting to the vulnerability of the human perspective. I think is really important, and having a piece of literature or art created by a robot seems almost like a betrayal. The, you're, you're thinking that that art is going to be as powerful and as there's a quality is let what me, the humans can. Let me just add: there's a difference between a human guiding the machine to create something cool, mm-hmm. like the special effects on Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. versus the, the AI Seinfeld show, uh, Nothing Forever, uh, on Twitch that's streaming right now. Basically, these guys created a Seinfeldian parody. In eight-bit visuals with Chat GPT writing the script, and it's slowly improving. And it's not funny, but you can tell that it's becoming more Seinfeldian in the third month of its existence. It's twenty-four-seven, and the creators say we don't need limits on seasons. You don't need seasons of a TV show. You can have your favorite type of content in a 24-7 stream mm-hmm. that never exists because we can just have AI create the visuals and the jokes and the content. What happens when we get to the point where that thing sounds like Seinfeld? Because that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's ridiculous, and you go, well, I can watch four minutes of this because it's interesting to, to see the technology. But what happens when... Humans are useless in the in the creative, or or we have large swaths. James, where am I being a luddite? Am I wrong? Because it seems to I, me like that would be I, I think, not I still great. Think there's still limitations of what you say that it's going to get better and it's going to get as good as. I don't know if it ever will because it's not something that there's a human element of thought and intelligence that goes into certain things that isn't just regurgitating. Almost like when you look at those right. AI generated pictures, yeah. you sort of know there's something not right with right. them. Right, like it's like not interesting. They're not. Yeah. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not Imperfect. quality, and right. that's why I think we would then have the freedom with these tools to increase the quality of our art, increase mm-hmm. the quality of our language and discourse and and writing and things like that. By using these tools, we can free up the drudgery of the stuff that it's taking away from us, and 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 free up that time to actually focus on making it better or making it more thought-provoking or making it say something meaningful instead of just throwing out lists on 
a website somewhere that just to get lit, clicks so you can get advertising money so that you can you know go do something else. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things that it feels like the everybody is afraid of change like they always have been. This is a massive change to the concept of what can be done with art. Let's take AI art for example. Yes, almost all of it is weird they can't do fingers right because it doesn't understand how to really manufacture them when you look at things they they take general concepts of ideas but it's never quite right somebody who's a who's an artist who spent all their time and effort and like years and years of putting their style down figuring out how they how to make their art be their own won't easily just be removed by a, a ai bot and it's that that concept of this is something that is a massive change to the concept of what people are used to. So everybody's afraid, it's like, oh, I'm going to lose everything I have. No, you just have to try harder. You have you. We've just this just made it so that way the somebody putting out a top ten list of the outfits of this person on this show that can just go away now. Now you have to try harder to actually have actual thought-provoking content or interesting ideas because we've raised the minimum bar up from it being, oh, you just looked at a thing and said, ha, 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 to it. This this machine says that thing that you're saying, but now you have to explain why you're interested in this thing. Yeah, that's a very free market argument in that yeah. more freedom means more personal responsibility and superior people. Go ahead, James. Well, AI is really bad at, like, like it's pretty... It, it, it's very binary, right? Like, so if I'm like lost in a jungle, right, and I use my chat GPT, what do I do in the jungle? It's like, well, you got to build shelter, you got to find water, you got to find food. And it'll list me these things to do, but it doesn't understand the environment I'm currently in. It's just, it's just telling me. My contention is, yeah, you can judge it where it's at now, but where's it going to be at in twenty years? I mean, it, it was where are these things going to be in twenty? It, it years? still doesn't have that like atavistic, you know, way of like figuring like. I have, as a human, like tens of thousands and thousands of years of evolutionary process to get to where I am now. And people survived like the entire time. The, the AI doesn't understand. It can read about it, learn about it, decide what to do about it. But is the, is the AI going to tell me, like, if I find a sweet potato, don't eat the whole sweet potato. Like, take chunks of it plant four chunks because those four chunks will become four tomato like p- potatoes and like chunk it again and keep it going like it will tell me like oh this is a potato it's nutritious you should probably eat it or you're gonna die in like you know this um it's like rainforest here but it's not gonna tell me like hey i should probably do that because it doesn't learn in real time like that it learns on data that's already like there that's been existing there that's been on the internet but there's tons of data that's not on the internet or it's incomplete data or it's data it can't learn at the time what could it get to a point? So, where, because of human imperfection yeah. and yes. humans' own devious nature, it can never truly succeed at becoming human. Uh, yeah. Unless it beca- unless it, it develops its own level of intelligence that's beyond our understanding, it's limited to what we understand. But th- that can happen. I think that's the problem that I, I have Cur- with it. Currently, that can't happen because that's that would be intelligence. That would be the artificial intelligence right. I'm talking about, where we can only give machines can only do what we tell it to do. And and that's it. They can't do anything. Now, when it gets to a point where we can create a machine, create a program that can self-evolve and write itself and become more more than that, maybe we're talking. But I don't think that's happening 
for a long time. And even if it, even if they say there's an inkling of it now, there's so many variables into that. And how do you know that it isn't just writing itself over and over again and not evolving? It's just staying in the same cycle over and over again. Yeah. You, you you have Still to make sure the that the, the microtubules right. have a light in them because there's a difference between top down AI and bottom up AI. It's it's a Paul joke. It's <laughs> Paul. Paul. <laughs> so <laughs> another another uh, go ahead, Harry. Several things with that. You're kind of right about that. Mm-hmm. There's that also that human human creativity to problem solving. So like if you have, let's say you have a Jeep Cherokee and your heater cord goes out. If you ask Chat GPT how to get to this heater cord, it's going to tell you the all data way to do it. How to remove the dashboard, how to get to it. That is a eight plus hour job to get the heater cord out of the Jeep Cherokee. Now you can do that or you can use human human creativity and do the hillbilly way and get your sawzall out and cut the dashboard apart and get your heater core out and then just put the dash back together with screws. It keeps stepping. What, what's the point here? Uh, that cre- the human creativity. That's yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's very binary. It's step by step. By gotcha. Step. Okay. The, like the shortcuts and the things that we would think about that mm-hmm. would make the go from A to B to C. When we just go from A to C because we don't have to care about B because B is irrelevant. Yeah. Gotcha. Now the other great thing about it is that it is taking humanity's information that we have given it right everything or in stolen or grabbed it crawled on the internet and took um, because everyone puts everything on the internet. The best thing about it is that it helps link information to humans that have probably have never talked to each other, but have around that spark of creativity. We have figured, you know, we have seen through um, ancient, his, uh, uh, like basically good discoveries that someone had at one point of time created basically what we could we defined as railroad tracks, but. On the other side of the world, someone else created what we described as a steam engine. These two people have never met. This information didn't get put together until, the, you know, what, the like, 1830s. Yeah, the 18, yeah, the 1830s. Yeah. And we got a train engine. But right. it's but that stuff is still going on right now where uh, someone's got information, but they're not talking to the other person and I've got a, the other information getting together. The way I, the ways I see these is amazing is because. I believe what Nice says is like we have to eventually get off this rock, and the people that want to get off this rock and are thinking about it, they have information, or the other people, and they're not talking to because they don't know each other exists because there's seven billion billions of us on this planet. This allows everyone to talk with each other. It's it's an amazing piece of technology. James, you were going to say something. You no, know, he was too. But um, I'm going to go after this. But it's um. When when I think of like it's just gotta learn like the people gotta learn from like the actual like AI and stuff is it's just it it just doesn't know like even the information can be wrong you know it's like you're just putting like what the humans know at the time and it's like well what don't you know at the time it's not gonna figure that out it needs to be able to think it needs to have a soul to be able to think beyond what you're thinking and where we at at technology because like well we'll get there eventually but. Yeah, like, you know, a processor today is like 10 times more powerful than a processor seven years ago. That is correct. Like, yeah, we add more little dots until the processor so it can run a little bit faster. Our machines can handle a little bit more RAM. But, like, all we're doing technology-wise right now is increasing the numbers. So, like, we add more of this, more of this. Yeah, more storage, more, like, way to function, more ways to call, recall data. But there hasn't been, like, a big leap where the technology has been... Quantum, like for example, quantum computing. Like we have some quantum computers, but they're not as good as they could be because we don't understand the whole quantum mechanic realm yet, as we know. Like when you do that, you might have like a like a, a jump in quantum computing that can do a little bit more. Um, but 
we don't have a way to like say like our technology like you know maybe 10 years from now because like uh, think about remember the 90s when people like oh vr is coming right vr will have a complete virtual world right. you know and they had the first couple of vr sets and it was just like black and red it was like just 3d the virtual boy yeah yeah well social media is a great example like social media had a major effect on us and societies but like people are kind of rejecting it because it's outlived its usefulness we've figured out this is what's good and bad we moderate our usage it's changed in not so great ways like humans always kind of find the middle and then there are always a few extremes that keep the extremes but like you sort of go this isn't necessarily healthy for me to wake up first thing in the morning and spend the next eight hours on social media well no it's but it can be a helpful tool for us for instance to broadcast to the people that we're broadcasting it's just people to. that wanted the, the the profit off of forums like all all facebook is is a forum right because yeah. there's multiple groups there's multiple pages you can go to they're just like forums back in the 90s it was just a way to get them all into one space monetize that space so i can make money from you talking about like in a car group or your local town group because there used to be town forums like all over the place back in the 90s like oh where we're living you know zionsville indiana there's a zionsville indiana like you know town forum you could talk about what's going on it was much slower you had to look for it but facebook twitter and stuff they just bring all together and like have it like sectioned off to like things you want to look up and find same with reddit you just find a subreddit for it it was just a way to monetize forums so they can get money off of it as opposed to individual people hosting it on their own servers in their house or like on like, you know, web space. You have to go find it. It's not monetized at all. People just come and go as you please. Um, uh, the, so Web 2.0 was basically just the corporatization of like web forums. That's, that's all it is. And when I, when I think of like, you know, what are you going to go with the technology, the virtual reality stuff? is so we have VR today, you know, there's like, you know, beat savers, but it's... It's the same VR that was in the 90s with just more color, more, you know, like a better graphical processor so it could handle color and actually make things pop out. It's not a VR where, like, I'm sitting in a chair and I can feel everything that's happening around me because, like, that would be a huge leap in VR if I'm able to feel what's happening to me. Yeah, absolute coomerism, if that's the case. (laughs) Okay, so. uh, Harry, final point, and then I want to move on. With VR chat, like, some people who actually have spent, like, a lot of time in VR, they've noticed what they've can feel is uh, because of like the way the headsets are and the emergence that some people have that they're getting phantom touch mm-hmm. uh, they're experiencing phantom touch um, it is an amazing topic um, and I've never experienced myself but I don't have a VR headset I Paul experiences that but it's phantom touch it's, uh, it's he remembers having a girl but He's not here to defend himself. Yeah. <laughs> he remembers being invited. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Why didn't you invite him? You, all right. So you want to get this on camera? No. We could do. We could do this. Thing. So, like a um, couple weeks back, <laughs> Spangle uh, uh, got upset at me for inviting. Like uh, you were programming my show. That's not invite, your place. Inviting people in here, right? So I said, okay, all right. Let's not do that. You know, like, and I was trying to be up with front with him. And then he, then we, so we got this show together. I invited him and I put the invite list and it's like, and I confirmed with him and we all confirmed. It was great. It was musical. Then last night I get on the, the, the schedule chat room and find out this guy invited three more people to, to my show. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm well, actually really nice to Paul because I bought like a whole box set and I got him the cards he wanted. And well, I knew what, that I knew one that, of them was not Paul. No, it wasn't Paul because Paul's not. Brian works in technology. Brian Nichols works in tech security. James is a philosophy major who works in technology. 
And I know you had these two characters who work in technology. Mm-hmm. Paul doesn't work in technology. I love Paul, and he, he'd be... He watches Sword Art Online for, like, <laughs> six hours a night, Paul, bro. Uh, honestly, Paul has probably messed around with VR, uh, with AI art more than anything. He literally had a friend he would troll for, like, two months straight by sending them pictures of things. Like, oh, isn't that cool? Like, yeah, it's really cool. Where did I get it? It's like, oh, it doesn't exist. So AI bot made it. See, that's why we don't <laughs> want Paul here. He's mean. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I, I almost... I almost texted you last night and said, hey, invite Paul, but... He knows yeah. so much isekai that he can give <laughs> you, like, ten examples of people getting hit by a bus or, like, going, like, into a deep dive into a computer and, like, having an entire plot story of being a hero. All right, let's, let's hope <laughs> all right, that this so, plays. Yeah. Uh, go finish your thought. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm just going to turn off all the other thing I want to say. is like, so ChatGPT and, like, the, all the AI things, like, the... Uh, it's what VR also does need because, and if you ever want to get to like a holodeck future, like which people are finding out by coding and making VR games and VR spaces, is that it takes a lot to program that because instead of like a regular first person shooter game or something like that, you're you know you have to program like little scenes you can, can try to control what the cameras are. This is everything all around 360 on on a person, and there's other people walking in that space that you also have to um, like. A, to map for and find out things you're going to. That takes a lot of work to model all that and to get that coding in there. I think that space is going to really could use for something like that. I, um, Netflix did the short where they used um, what was it, like AI generated backgrounds for the short to speed up hmm. progression on a short. They did an animation short. Yeah, yeah. You know, which a lot of people, which even though Miyazaki said this AI thing is it's an abomination to uh, humankind. And I, I sort of feel like like Miyazaki. corporations, yeah, corporations true. have overburdened their workforce so much that mm-hmm. it's time for the workforce to have some efficiencies to catch up. Go ahead, Reinhold. I just I think I have a, a good way to describe what I was trying what we're trying to say about this not being there yet is. Computers still can't do rubber, random number generation. True random number generation. Explain that and why, what is it? So, so a computer right now, when you tell it to give me a number from one to a million, right? It'll go, it'll go through an algorithm, pick a number, and give it to you. If you time it right and you know the, the algorithm, you can make it give you the same number every single time. Right, it's not true random number generation where mm. you just come up with a number off the top of your head. That's sixty nine. Random though. Four twenty. <laughs> I must be. At, I must be so, AI because I'm going to come up with those two numbers every time. But when when we can get to a point where computers can actually give us true random number generation, maybe we're talking about the possibility of someday having actual artificial intelligence. Unpredictability. But, yeah, we can't do. Yeah, the way to put it. Yeah, everything's. Everything's programmed in a certain way that we can predict everything that's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. It's within our still confines of knowledge and space where the machines, when we truly get AI, that's going to be beyond what we're in control of or have a a grasp of. The larger point that I want to make here, though, is that when you listen to the audio of these things, of these people saying something very, very uncouth, very offensive... It's kind of hard to tell that that's not the person. That Trump, I didn't play any of the Trump, really, because it went with a hard F, uh, so we apologize for that. We've always had Um, people doing impressions who are able to really do a good job. But this is their own words. If you, you could take, because I have done this podcast for 
10,000 hours, you could take my audio and recreate my voice saying anything uh, about anything, right? But it was this good already when Obama was in office because they did a whole presentation mm-hmm. where they had Jordan Peele do a do his Obama impression and they deep faked Obama's face over it so it looked just like Obama was talking because his impression was was pretty much on point. It was still it was already that good. So my question, just everybody gets one turn and then we're going to end. Um, how do you stay aware of kind of fake information that might be created by this stuff. What, what, what do you do when you're out in the hinterlands of the internet in the dark places where this kind of stuff exists? Who wants to go first? Reinhold's probably the most skeptical. What, what do you... Yeah. So what? there's always skepticism in any of this stuff, especially like people say, oh, I get this video of a UFO or a ghost or this or that. There's always going to be people try to present something to you as real that's not real. And you have to be able to go through the processes of critical thinking and talking to people who are, are experts in the field of this sort of thing to be able to identify you know, flaws that could ident- make it... a make it known that it's not real. So there's there's a lot of different ways with a lot of different people looking at things. It's going to be really hard to get something passed that's not eventually going to be found out as being fake. Now, something is still going to get through. We're still going to have to have that issue. But usually when someone's when you when you get a defake like that and the person says, I never said that, I was nowhere near, you know, you need to prove that I said this or did this. Yeah, like we know Joe Biden didn't give an anti-trans speech. Right. Like it's very obviously fake, but the quality but, of it yeah. sounds identical yeah, to him you, and but Trump. But if you if, first, if you see that and you go, Oh man, that's really weird. But a lot of people stop there, and that's really the problem, is that we need people to continue to look into things or question it and we have to start having uh, people kind of doing that work for us because it's not something that every individual is going to do or can do. Yeah. It's going to have to be something that organizations are going to have to start doing. And there are some out there doing that. So I think as long as we've got uh, people who are experts in the field who are looking into things like that, people who are skeptical, applying true critical thought, we're going to be able to stay ahead of most of this stuff to a point where, at some point, you're going to have to be. I have to be physically in the room with you, or I'm not going to believe it. Yeah. The other thing is, like uh, the metadata inside of these, uh, um, and all these uh, things that are coming out. These new, well, new media. Now it's considered new. Now it would be new media. Um, I think that was going to show, just like in the early days of Photoshopping and messing with images, there is going to be forensic analysis techniques that are going to be designed to find out, like, has this been altered in any way, shape, or form? Where it's come, I think it does also will put more doubt, hopefully, hopefully more doubt, when people go like, well, I have an anonymous hit and recording, you know, of uh, we took out this uh, executive from possibly maybe a, 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 a you know drug company and he said these things you know we, you know it's we're going to want to actually know that source we want the raw if that actually happened you know when read the raw part of the, part of the problem with my that's part of the problem with you know my statement is that we still have, we have people like that out there right now that people are buying whole heartedly into and it's kind of hard to how do you corral well, that in? Having seen that video last night, like they didn't say anything about it being a deep fake, but I'm like, I know where the balloon's at. I know that can't be the balloon. So saying right. it's the balloon doesn't make any sense. So I guess knowing the technology exists makes me kind of go, I need to be skeptical about this. Yeah, but you're going to have people who use it and go, look how they're lying to you. They're going right. to tell you that this isn't real. And I've got footage right. of it. Right. And they're going to say, it's over here. Here's the footage of it. But they're creating that footage. Right. They're the one. It's going to be back and forth, and we're going to have to try and work that out. 
Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But the stuff is like there right now. You can look up uh, like some of the backrooms images and like some of the early part of the backrooms. It looks freaking real, like someone's walking around. But everyone knows, like, no, that's generated. Some, some of this is this is computer stuff. This was made. But a lot of people look at like, wow, I can't believe they made this type of set. It's like the set's not made. The set's not real. You know. Um, but please look at the backrooms. Amazing stuff. Um, yeah. It's just uh, the people, the outliers that you have to be like people are afraid of, like. They're always going to exist. They're still there. They they were buying week like uh, like sure said they were buying Weekly World News in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You remember? Uh, you know, people think the Earth is flat. Protocols yeah. of Zion. Is yeah. Uh, pr- Protocols of the Elders of Zion. It's a great example yeah. of of people. It's been proven false by multiple means, and it's, it's yeah. yeah. If there's anything that we should be worried about is people who are on their phones when they're driving. If there's any big concern, it's those people. You know who you are. Put your phones down. Drive. <laughs> All right, old man. Uh, Vincent, your turn. Go. Anything you want to say? The thing about the, the defect stuff and that th- it's actually a big controversy right now because like a, a Twitch streamer had a link open with uh, deepfake um, uh, not safe for work stuff of deep, other deep people that he porn knew. Has, like, yeah. There was always like, you know, when you were on the yeah. internet back in the 90s, there was always like Cindy Crawford's head photoshopped on somebody's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it's deepfake porn mm-hmm. with people who are not doing porn. Yes. But the, there's, there's already a bunch of stuff going on about that. People are trying to figure out what are, are trying to make lawsuits and figure out what what does your bodily autonomy stand for when when deep fakes are involved? Can you just mm-hmm. sue to take it down? You know that person real when he was brought with the person who was running the website was called on it. He took the website down and apologized for for even doing it because he because he thought it was just funny. But then, i.e., he didn't care until he got caught. Right. Um, yeah. All of it's really boiled down to is that you just do your research. If you see something, look it up and try to actually figure out where it came from. Because if you're like, oh, this person said this thing. Cool. Give me four more examples of him saying that thing. Right. And then when you can't, then it's obviously somebody lied there. Te- technology is a tool. It's always been a tool. People will you choose to use the tool for good or for bad. A hammer is great to hammer in a nail or to break a window. It's just a tool. James, are you a deep fake? No, like I was. People believe what they want to believe, bro. Like I was watching like a thing on um, like a podcast on history when like the Mongols were sacking Poland and Hungary, right? They sent a priest, a kapini, to like the Mongol like home city, like all the way in China. Like dude, sixty five years old, walks all the way to China, documents everything, right? This is how they fight. This is how they eat. This is how they sleep. This is how they function. This is how they like, everything. Even like interviewed like cultures they sacked. Well, we did this. Came up with a battle plan how to beat them. They're like, it came down to like, don't hide in your fortress because what they do is they push you in there and they, they refer to you as cattle because you're stuck in your castle. Then they sack the whole countryside and take over that way. They don't care you're in the castle because if you're not defending your fields, they'll salt and burn the fields. Right. If you're not defending your town, they'll salt and burn and rape the town, you know? So, like, he wrote this whole, like, book about it, like, factual knowledge, went back to, like, the Pope and, like, these, like the Holy Roman Empire. Like, this is what you do. That's fake news. You don't know yeah. what you're talking about. In the you know? 20s, people, uh, the you know, Indiana was basically two-thirds of the state were members of the Klan, and they were choosy, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the big rumor was that the Pope had taken over Cincinnati and was 
building a fortress in Franklin County, Indiana, to invade and take over Indiana. Of all the places the Pope was going to take over was Indiana. That should have been your first clue that this was stupid. Um, and they used that rumor mongering to, to institute the pledge and the f- put a flag in every classroom and passed a law that you had to say the pledge and you had to have a flag in your classroom. Why? Because they believed that they were loyal to the Pope. And so it, the pledge of allegiance was to get them to be allegiant to the state as opposed to the Pope, which is why school children still say the Pledge of Allegiance. It was to get them to pledge uh, state before God, right? So let that sink in, uh, Christian nationalists. Even, even like but a little bit You could history. have driven to Franklin frickin' County and asked where the Pope's, you know, and that nobody did. They just wanted to believe it because they wanted to keep hating Catholics. And, and that's why this whole, the whole fear of AI is a thing. Because they they they're fear mongering themselves into saying this is bad. How you how do you prevent us from evolving by saying anything that's a change is bad? So we have to make it scary and make sure nobody does it. Yeah, that's why this whole balloon thing is even talking about. It. It's like oh, be scared of the China and their balloon when they're they're running out of resources and they still have it made up with Australia, who gives them most of their resources. And honestly, if they wanted your information, they already had access to it. It's just, they're fear mongering. They're trying to make you rally against something because that's what they want. You, they want you to be it's, emotional it, and move towards this. It's easier to control people and exactly. get people to do what you want to do, and you just got them scared. Yeah, when you they're get, not logical. When you're playing on their emotions. Will Chris Spangle watch the entire series of Ghost in the Shell to understand that sometimes tech can be good? No, I don't think tech is bad. But yeah, let's, you know. uh, let's, let's, watch, let's just watch some Ghost in the Shell. Watch Ghost in the Shell. Watch yeah. Vivi. Yeah, I think we should do a movie that. Yeah, you yeah. should watch some Ghost in the what Shell. What is Ghost in the Shell? You can watch Bicentennial Man and get a good yeah. idea out of tech on that. It's, it's, that's it's a good movie. Right. That's a good movie. But it's not but sexy. It's, it's not, nowhere near Ghost in the Shell. It is nowhere near Ghost in the Shell. It's not nearly as long. Japanese cartoons. No, thank you. I want real humans. Ghost in the Shell and Bicentennial Man. I still have an hour and a half movie. It's standalone part movie complex. Movie. Wow, it's only an hour and a half. Yeah. What are you going to watch then, Chris? The one with Will Smith fighting robots? Yes. That's a terrible movie. All okay, right. So- thank you so much for joining us here on We Are Libertarians, here on The Chris Bangle Show. We thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you uh, want to make a comment, Chris at ChrisBangle.com will respond to it here on the show. Or you can go to uh, Patreon or ChrisBangle.com and leave a comment there. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time, and thank you so much for listening here to The Chris Spangle Show. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.